What's up, everybody? So, first thing, rich people rules that I was invited to. I declined this time. It felt wrong. Uh, but I think you probably received an email. You and I have been, uh, we've put in some investments to psychedelic style companies. Mm -hmm. Incorporated with that is that they'll send us other opportunities that are just have nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. One of them that I got that they mentioned was significant downside protection deal. You know, take you didn't see this. I don't one. think I read this. Yeah. Um, so they, I was like curious about what it is. I don't understand how to protect downside. I don't know what that means. I know what it means, but I have no idea how it's executed. Yeah. So I spoke to the person and I'll keep it fairly vague. There was a company that was raising its last bit of money weeks before uh, an IPO. Okay. I don't know the incentive structure or why, but they needed a final $10 million. Okay. And in order to get that, they were giving ridiculously preferential treatment to that final raise, which meant that we're going to IPO at this number. And you have downside protection, meaning you can sell at that number, even if the price craters to half that amount. Wow. Does that make sense? Huh? Uh, so it's like, you can only lose money if you watch it go down, don't sell, and then sell for significantly below already half off. Mm. So if it's $100 and it goes to 50 and you sell at 40, you still can, you only lose like, uh, ten percent of your money, or something yeah, yeah. like that. This came from a VC firm, or from the guy from we the did people SpaceX? that, yeah, that one, SpaceX people. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, I don't check those, those random anymore. ones. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of random stuff. So I was trying to understand it, and uh, he ran me through, and he, he explained it to me. He's like, "Here's the odds. Chances that it goes up uh, are small, ten to twenty percent, but we could make a significant amount of money if it pops after IPO. If it goes down, we don't do anything. This is a trade that we're going to execute within like." 30 days because there's a lockup. And then he uh, wrote me back later. He's like, actually, no lockup. We can sell immediately. There is no possible universe, basically, where we lose money on this and we might make money. Mm. Now That's nice. So the only people that can lose money are the people that invest in the stock. Exactly. That's great. That's great. You can just <laughs> externalize your risk of loss to those people that don't know any better. So I was like, and it came with this... Um, this, you know, forward looking what we plan to do in 2023, 2024. I was like, just to be clear, this investment thesis has nothing to do with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, no, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I elected not to for the reason that you said. I was like, this feels, even though my greed is activating sure. and I feel it. Uh, you had a nice chance to rob suckers. It was like, dude, this isn't the same game. Yes. Uh, it's just because some banker has some upside when he raises X amount of money prior to IPO, it's mm. worth it for him. I don't, I don't know who's getting screwed here, but if it's not me, it's a zero sum game and it's somebody else. Yeah. Um, no, I always appreciate, cause I, I went to Wharton, you know, a lot of the stuff I was taught was yeah. to do stuff that gets you good returns. So I always appreciate your investment thoughts as kind of an outsider. Like we were looking at something totally unrelated. It was it was a business that's going to open up facilities that have saunas plus ice baths plus sound baths, mindfulness. And I was like, "What are you thinking?" And you're like, "I don't know. It's something I want to see more of in the world." So that feels like a good thing. I was like, "Damn, that's a really good reason to invest." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it ended up being one of the main reasons I invested. I was like, "Yeah, this is this is what I want people to put their money towards creating." And I'm a people, and I have money, so yeah, I should yeah, put yeah. my money towards creating it. It's wild. I found that to be a very, it sounds obvious, but no one really talks about investing like that. Everybody talks about returns and multiples and stuff. And yeah, it was, I just pretty instantly, like that day, just wrote the company back and was like, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I thought that made a lot of sense. Well, there's a sad ending to the story. 
what happened is it went up 50% mm. and they sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, playing my way does not Oh, yeah, you'll make less money. Win. You'll make less money. But we knew this. I knew, I, I mean, knew. <laughs> the way to make the most money was to make billion token, you yes. know? And, and <clears throat> yes, we will hopefully have, through ethical decision-making, a life of enough. Enough, exactly. And you will never be the richest person but you sleep well at night and you don't hopefully harm other people and you can still have more than enough. And that's yeah. kind of where I, where I hang my hat, but it's, sure. it's definitely not the way to like win the game of wealth accumulation. If right. That's your only goal. No. And I, I have, I already have more than enough and it's interesting how quickly, cause I, you know, you did investing in finance undergrad and that mm -hmm. was your training and I did philosophy and the, it is, uh, it takes a strong bulwark to fight against this stuff, yeah, I kind of yeah. feel like, because I am extremely tempted, and I'm sure there's areas where I've already caved, but I just noticed that. I was like, e that lurching forward towards yeah, yeah. Uh, winning. And it's also, it gets so divorced from that question of what you want to see in the world. Can I tell yeah, you yeah, my, yeah. my greatest strategy that's helped with this? I never check. Once I decide not to invest in something, I never check how it's going. And that's been a really good mental health policy so yeah, far. Yeah. So if I look at a company and I decide not to, or if someone shows me a private investment, I don't do it. I just pretend that it never happened and I never look back. Sure. So that's, that's what I'd recommend. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm trying to do no quick trades, invest in things that you want to see on average. Yeah. Now, I definitely have some index funds that include things I'm sure I wouldn't support. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's crazy, man. I told you this one story. I'll, I'll briefly repeat it, that I was recommended another investment firm. Um, and it was totally, I mean, I super appreciate the recommendation, but how, uh, I don't think the person who recommended it to me would support one of the companies that was their big winner. Uh, I think I, I don't know. Can I say it? It's in the ATF fund, which is like arms, tobacco, or what is the A? I don't even know. Alcohol, tobacco, firearms. It's like something that you don't necessarily want more of in the world. Right, but it's but done that, well for them. And so they were going to take your money and invest it in. Yeah, and, 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 we're, and we're trying to help. And, the, and without, I think, and I don't mean to be critical, um, thinking about how it was made. It's like this surplus mm -hmm. of money came from uh, giving people products that made their lives worse. Yeah. And yeah, I, I get it. I totally understand that there's no there's like no voices out there saying that's not what you should do, mm -hmm. that money should not seek high return, that it should, you know, and even the ESGs, which is the environmental sustainability goals or whatever, I don't even know the other things, but there are categories of assets that you can buy that supposedly are good for the environment. It's totally gamed. It's total like. Yeah. Well, I think we've talked about this briefly, but I think that people sometimes carve out business from their ethics. And mm -hmm. so they're like, I would never lie to a friend. I would never lie to a spouse. But, mm -hmm. you know, business is a game and you there's winners and losers and you play to win and they just throw away the, the ethics they apply to their regular life. And I think investing is probably similar where it's just like, do you want, let's say just hypothetically, do you want more people smoking cigarettes in the world? Mm -hmm. No. Do you think that the world is better off if we double how many people smoke cigarettes? No. Okay. Do you want to invest a large sum of money into the cigarette company I have a good feeling it's going to go up in the next six months. <laughs> yeah, six, six. That yeah, sounds yeah, great. Yeah. It's like doesn't even connect necessarily because mm -hmm. I think people partition off for some reason the different aspects of how they're making money, where they're investing their money, and how they think the world should operate. Yeah. Well, this is, I think, the problem with uh, whatever our brains in a global economy, mm -hmm. which is this, you know, they talk about would you, if you were walking past a lake, would you jump in and save the drowning child? And everybody's like, of course I would. It's like, okay, well, there's 
children that are dying on the other side of the world, would you spend $5 to do it? And uh, once you multiply the scale and the distance, yeah. it becomes paralyzing and totally abstract. And the yeah, answer is yeah. like, hey, I'm not even bothered. I think, I think it's 10 cents. I mean, we, we often talk about charity water, but if people <laughs> want to look at the Against Malaria Foundation, I think it's called, or Against Malaria Fund, it's just two guys run it, super small scale. So they can't handle massive fundraising, but mm. I believe it's the cheapest way to save a life. It's like 10 cent mosquito nets that they send over to families in Africa that mm. prevent malaria, which is massive, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you're talking about you know, walking, you wouldn't walk past a drowning kid. Would you save a kid across the planet? And I think people can think maybe that's super expensive or time intensive or something, but there, there are these ways where I mean, you can just donate a dollar and make a big difference. Yeah. Well, I think, and this is not, again, not a criticism, but one of the ways I believe that the AMF is able to get their costs down so low is because they don't deploy often. Mm -hmm. You imagine that the more often you go with the money, the higher the cost per unit. Well, this is why we do charity water. Yeah, yeah. We, so like, super hyped about it between us and you guys. Mm -hmm. We've given them over a million dollars. That would take forever if you go through a small charity to impact the world. Mm -hmm. And so Charity Water is cool because they're relatively cost-effective. They do a high-impact issue and they can also put it to work. Mm -hmm. You know, they have the infrastructure to take a million dollars and get it out into wells. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, I like the Against Malaria I yeah, don't remember too. what the F stands for, but <laughs> found foundation. I found, can't fund, I found, found foundation. You want to talk about misogyny? Sure. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. <laughs> Let's start with pros. <laughs> so Andrew Tate, he's a guy. Yeah. You won't hear about him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He's certainly going to be. Silenced. He was a guy. <laughs> he's uh, yeah. He's been kicked off of everything at this point. He's been kicked off of Facebook, Instagram, then TikTok, and now YouTube. No, YouTube. Yeah, I was hoping you hadn't <gasps> seen this. Surprise. That is not, oh man. It's huge, yeah. So this guy, so for people who don't know, we'll start with the basics. Andrew Tate says some fucked up shit. Let's just get that out of the table. This is not about him being a good person. I would never make that argument. Uh, he says things that people don't like on social media. Facebook and Instagram, it's owned by Meta, banned him and deleted his content saying that it broke their terms of service because he promotes misogynistic views that he says negative things about women and that breaks their terms. TikTok saw that and followed suit. That was the one that actually mattered because a lot of his money comes from TikTok. YouTube did not follow suit initially and then did today, I think, mm -hmm. ban Andrew Tate and Andrew Tate content from being resyndicated on YouTube. So now he's effectually, uh, effectively been deplatformed from everything. Holy cow. Which is really interesting. I am curious about the philosophy behind that. I think even if you were someone who likes that outcome in the world, you do want to be careful what policy you endorse because I think as we saw with like executive orders, mm -hmm. everybody was really excited when Obama kind of went hard at executive orders to get what he wanted done in the world. But then Trump came into office and all of a sudden everyone said that we don't want executive orders being used like that or vice versa. They hated Obama yeah, and yeah, they liked yeah. Trump. So- you want to be careful what policy in general you endorse. And I'm. it's an interesting policy. It's we are going to ban this guy from every platform because we think what he says is bad for children to watch. Insane. So that's the mindset. So I thought that was interesting. I was like, what did I listen to when I was 12? Because they're talking about he gets in and he he's like raising a generation of misogynists and radicalizing yeah. them in the manosphere. He's getting to like 12 to 18-year-old boys and he's going to train them to treat women poorly. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, what would that look like if you applied that 
all around. I was like, oh, well, when I was 12, I listened to DMX. He's got that song, <laughs> Bring Your Whole Crew. Let me listen to it and see what that was about. I remember my parents walked in on me listening to it. They broke the CD. So I was like, it must be pretty bad. That's what I was listening to when I was 12. Uh, without getting us demonetized, he talks about robbing people, cutting their heads open with machetes, shooting them, and then having sex with their corpses. <laughs> I was like, that's neat. I looked it up on YouTube. It's available right now. Yeah. Uncensored on YouTube. Yeah. So I'm not sure that we're applying this policy universally to de-platform every video that's bad for kids to find. And I'm curious how the tastemakers will make that decision. Because they have officially taken and been applauded for doing this enough times that I think this is just the rule now, is whoever runs these companies, they can selectively enforce whatever they want. And so they're going to decide what they like. And like they're cool with DMX and having sex with the skulls of yeah, people yeah. you've murdered with a machete and they're not cool with Andrew Tate. I'm blown away. I wish you'd given me time with this YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it just uh, happened. I actually this, wanted to get you live. You dropped the bomb on me. <laughs> so I, I'm organizing my thoughts here. One thing to follow up on what you said. I I don't know that... Uh, certainly the Kardashians have, have contributed to such mental health harm and, and their type. You know what I mean? The plastic mm -hmm. surgery filter has harmed kids significantly. Well, this is kind of what I was saying or I forget which one of us said it, about the idea that Jordan Peterson is so against uh, Elliot Page because he thinks that Elliot Page is going to inspire a generation of confused yeah, yeah. adolescents to transition who otherwise wouldn't have without a hero. And that's bad because they're going to go through elective surgeries. And it seemed, again, selective to pick Elliot and not any other person that's making female adolescents feel insecure about how they look and inspiring them to yeah, yeah. have body dysmorphia and go get elective surgery to change how they look. And it's not a perfect one-to-one -one parallel, but I'm like, if that's your fear, and that's why you allegedly hate Elliot Page so much, you should be furious at a lot of people on Instagram and a lot of celebrities who yeah. have unattainable looks without plastic surgery. Yes. So, and, and now zooming out. So my thought prior to this was, I do really not like when people compare Twitter to the town square. Because I don't think that any single social media platform effectively can can remove you and silence your voice. When they act in this Illusion. Kabbalistic <laughs> manner. Yeah, when, oh, they, a good Trump voice. when they Illusion. when and it doesn't need to be um, any sort of secret thing, but they all virtue signal to one another, mm -hmm. they test the feedback that the other one got, and they effectively act as a group. So this is not what happened with Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson has had more of a voice than he did prior to his Twitter exclusion because he's exploded on YouTube, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is like, I want to protect the right of private companies to say, not you, not you. But when it's all of the mass communication tools move together, then I go, this is effectively the town square at this point. You have removed this person and I don't think, I'm beyond, don't think isn't strong enough. That is not how we need our laws set up to allow for this sort yeah, of thing. And it's super clever. I mean, the idea is you set a terms of service that Kicks a lot of people that a lot of people violate <laughs> and then you don't enforce it yeah. until you want to. And so Instagram has a terms of service. I was curious. I was like, let's look up yeah. some of these companies. So this is verbatim. You may not post nude, partially nude, or sexually suggestive <laughs> photos on Instagram. You may not. You can be kicked off and should be kicked off Instagram if you post any nude, partially nude, or sexually suggestive photos on Got Instagram. It. So that's where we're at in terms of what the terms of service says. Yeah. And then everyone just think about their Instagram experience. And they 
can kick you off if you violate any. That's just one thing. Anything yeah. on their terms. But they don't 99% of the time. So mm-hmm. they've effectively given themselves the right to complete be a complete editor to their platform without yeah. losing their platform status mm-hmm. because they just make the term something that half the people violate. The other thing that is like a little bit worrisome to me, beyond worrisome, is that there's so many things that are bad about this. I would be willing to bet that the people making the decision about whether Andrew Tate should be allowed viewed such a small percentage of his uh, discography, his videography, if you will, and were very influenced by articles they read, quotes taken out of context, clips taken out of context. One that I've seen cited is like, he said, if a girl cheats on you, get a machete. Which is like, Jesus, I said I was going to kill my sister. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know when what, you were a kid. Yeah. Well, I, today, I, I, when Henry screws up in the game, I'm to Henry. I'm going to come in there and kill you. Like, and then I did. And then I had to bear, <laughs> no, it's just, it's I, I actually haven't said that in a while. But you're right. When I was younger, the things that I said were ridiculous. That the the things that I said that I would, if I followed through on, would make me an absolute horrible person. Would need to go to jail. Yeah. No. And, well, he's also. Per- I get why people don't like him. He's purposefully inflammatory like he's trying to walk through in one example that i saw went viral an explanation for why women's self-defense in his mind is overrated because he a trained fighter can could never be stopped by a trained female fighter and he thinks there's like a sliding scale of which you know if you're big enough you're 270 pound bodybuilder with no training how much training would a woman need to actually be able to stop you and he's he's trying to just point to the fact that physical differences matter but of course because he's trying to go viral and be controversial, he says it in the absolute most offensive way. He's super visceral and disrespectful. So it's not that his point didn't have merit. It's that he's purposely trying to piss people off. So I understand why mm-hmm. people are pissed off at him. He's trying to be an asshole. Yeah. But I, my question is at a high level is who do we ban from YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook? Is it anyone who's an asshole? How much of an asshole do you have to be? Like, it's unclear to me why this rule doesn't result in every person who makes music that glorifies violence or cheating or drug abuse to be instantly displatformed on every social media. As a misogynistic. If you sing a song, if you're just a rock star who sings about abusing drugs, running through women, Mm -hmm. and, you know, probably hurting their feelings along the way, and (laughs) and glorifying it. Yeah. Why aren't you being kicked off of Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube? Because you're a bad idol for kids. You're glorifying this stuff. You're inspiring kids to want to go to a bunch of drugs and treat the people they date poorly. Mm -hmm. Like that's exactly what Andrew Tate's crime is, inspiring kids to be bad people. So I don't know how any musician who glorifies that stuff is allowed on the platforms. I don't know why a lot of people who post bikini photos aren't instantly kicked off Instagram. Like clearly this isn't actually the principle that we're operating under. And so then I don't, I don't know how comfortable I am with the principle of actually it's just six people at Instagram are going to decide whatever they want Mm -hmm. and then remove whoever they want. And they're just the tastemakers. They're, they're the unvetoable gods of who gets to have social media and who doesn't. Yeah. And I think what we need, and we, we do have, I believe broad categorizations for like private companies. So if you're a newspaper and you publish something, you can be sued because you have editorial control over. Yeah, what for goes people who don't that. know, the reason this is, 
this, when I said it was a platform, it's because they have so much protection legally to not be held responsible for what's on their social media sites. Mm -hmm. And they get that protection from the law because they have said they're not editing the content. They're not responsible for what gets put on there. Mm -hmm. And that's why they don't get sued every time there's a copyright infringement lawsuit. The creator gets sued. Yeah. If you're going to be a newspaper, then the writer doesn't get sued. The publication gets sued. Yeah. So yeah, they like the protections of the platform, but they like the editorial abilities to do whatever they want. Yeah. And I guess my thing is we can have a hybrid category that is social media site, which never existed before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they need to have some sort of policing so that people want to use their site. But the things that are includable in a terms of service, I think once you want the platform protections, which you should opt into, should be much more similar to the legal protections that people have under free speech. They don't need to be perfectly aligned with that. Like, or not. I'm actually kind like, if you want to just kick off every person that has ever been a bad influence on kids, <laughs> like at least run it down and be principled. Yeah. And we can see what that looks like. And if people riot when all their favorite musicians or comedians get kicked off of every platform, we can, we can try it that way. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't, the hubris of whatever committee or group of people made this decision to me is uh, astounding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think whoever What's, was in that room when they went, we have to do this is, I really want to talk to them sure. and, and how, how certain they must be of knowing what is good and bad and how limited their focus was. They, they didn't sit down in that meeting and ask themselves like, like we did, you know, is should we have DMX on here? What about Kim Kardashian? Like, what are the ways in which children are harmed well, by the by the inputs that they get from our site? Yeah, I think people look. This is what's, one of the things that's interesting to me because I'm seeing this being lauded. Is people look at the outcome and if they like it or not without thinking yeah. about the principle or how we got here. So, for instance, there's a guy running. He's like running for Congress, who's on the record and has defended repeatedly that he thinks that thinking you should stone homosexuals makes total sense because the Bible says so. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think that, you're a bad Christian. Totally and he's saying, we don't have to <laughs> have the death penalty for sodomy necessarily, but we should at least know that it's a sin. And it's weird to me, he's saying, that you think I'm a bad person for saying we should stone them and not that they're bad people for the heinous acts of being homosexuals. I think you're all mm -hmm. crazy. Well, what if that guy gets in charge of TikTok mm -hmm. and makes a terms of service that says that you can't talk about sex, but lets everybody talk about sex unless you're homosexual. And then if you even mention that you're homosexual, he just deplatforms you. Would we like that? Yeah. I don't think that the same people who are excited about the tape ban would be excited about that occurring. And so you, they like who's in charge now, but yeah, what if there's just this groundswell of people you disagree with that take over your favorite platforms? Yeah. You're not going to like this precedent necessarily. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. And kind of seeing that with the Supreme Court now, actually. Yeah. Well, the, there's also not, I mean, this allowing there to even be fact checkers, you know, this, this group of unelected people who determine what is true and false. And it's, it's, I was potentially more open to it in a time of crisis. And in fact, if there, if Andrew Tate being on these platforms was the difference of, Every nuclear power shooting their nukes into the sky and blowing up the world, I'd rip them off the platform yeah. and not care. There are limits to what I would allow on... Go ahead. Can you clarify what you mean by fact checker? Because like I think of Snopes, and I like Snopes. It's oh, a yeah, site yeah. that I sure. trust that's probably wrong some of the time, 
but where I can go when I see viral stuff that I don't trust for being out of context to, to fact check. So when you say fact check, do you mean people Snopes within or these mean- organizations who decide what goes underneath the YouTube videos related to COVID, they decide what goes underneath the YouTube videos related, and it's going to expand obviously related to misogyny or inceldom or whatever it is that put that interject their understanding of the world Mm -hmm. into every conversation was it true or did it end up being fake that google was making it hard during the initial trump election to find hillary clinton stuff i was that was negative about hillary like you you had to really hunt you couldn't autocomplete like hillary clinton benghazi then i don't know what the result of that was but i did type it in myself i think and didn't you have something with stephen crowder too where you were looking for a specific stephen crowder video There was a period of time where his stuff was like you had to i was doing my video on him and it was very hard to search stephen i don't know it still might be the case to search his stuff i think you want to leave space for weirdness in algorithms but it was tough to like I was typing in exact change my mind things that made it very that were very hard to find and it was at a time where he was under fire I don't know if that was um an individual who got in there and twerk tweaked the algorithm but yeah this that there's that you want to have a group of people deciding I'm going to zoom out a little bit there is a belief around knowledge that is implicit in all of this which is the best way to have people with good ideas is to shield them from the ideas that you have decided are bad ones. And that's that. As opposed to, the best way to have a group of people with good ideas is to create a space where many ideas can interact, battle, fight, and you're going to get charismatic strongmen that have what you might think are bad ideas, and they will take the lead in periods, because they got better rhetoric, than the good ideas. But... I just don't know any other way other than to hope that the good ideas and believe that truth and good ideas will win out over time. I was thinking this actually because a lot of Andrew Tate's brand was predicated on that he had good advice for being attractive to women, Mm -hmm. which I think a, a lot of women hated his advice and were upset with. And I was curious, if this advice just went terribly, how long could he really survive? If a, if a group of men millions of men went out trying what he was espousing <laughs> yeah, yeah. and just getting rejected over and over yeah. and over. And then another voice came through of a, you know, handsome, charismatic person who had different advice that was actually effective. Wouldn't that person eventually garner the audience? I was trying to figure this out. Like, d- like if this is really bad advice that doesn't work, you'd hope, like some people are just going to get sucked in and they're going to get that weird thing where it doesn't go your way, like the flat earther, you know, they get the expensive equipment, it shows the earth is round and they just still don't believe it. Some people just get in the tetasphere and they'll never have any evidence convince them otherwise. But you'd hope that the majority of people would be like, this is going really terribly for me. Hmm. Uh, like if I said the best way to shoot a basketball in game was underhand. And I was really charismatic about it. And then someone else said, I think you should probably shoot overhand. I think that I would have a brief moment in the sun at best before everybody went out and got blocked shooting underhanded from three and went, this guy's wrong. What if I told you that you get 72 virgins if you you blew yourself up in a jihad? Well, Tate's not doing post-death advice. What if I told you that you were supposed to have four wives because some guy 1,400 years ago... You know what I mean? So what we see are, in my opinion, and we don't have to have this whole conversation, uh, ideas that are false but become necessary to integrate socially can persist 
for a very long time. And I think that the measure is not just does this work with nature, it's does this work with my social circle. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think, in my opinion, like I think there's uh, benefits to congregating and ritual and religion has built a lot of those things all around the world. But in my opinion, there's also some clearly false beliefs. We had inquisitions. We did all this horrible stuff. I guess I was thinking for Tate specifically. From what I saw, I think his appeal was about that this is going to go get you results in your dating life, Mm -hmm. which uh, that felt pretty falsifiable to me. It is. And here's the thing. I think depending on where you are. Or not. I mean, I (laughs) I don't know what his advice is, but I'm saying if that's his advice and a bunch of people go strike out, I... And it won't work. So it's all, I almost felt like all the power is just in the female hand to just not, if not you don't like the this. advice, don't respond to the advice. And then all of his disciples will become disenchanted with him. I think what's frustrating to a lot of people, men and women included, is that the game pickup Andrew Tate advice works. And it works especially for naive young men and naive young women. And if you're coming from a world where You've watched Disney movies and you're told mm-hmm. be nice and just be yourself and tell her how you feel. Literally anything other than that is yeah, going to yeah. be a better operating well, system for getting girls to text you back, want to date you, want to kiss you. If someone's right, then it seems odd to be mad at them for describing how the world is. And if someone's wrong, then you would think that over time it would just be hard to continue to admire them as their advice doesn't work for you? Uh, Well, I think one of the things, work is an interesting question because things, two very different pieces of advice can work depending on what your values are. And so one of the, Andrew Tate's advice works really good for his value set, which is make a ton of money. Who cares if it's done? Who really doesn't matter how it's done, legally, illegally. He says unethically. He says, I made all my money unethically. Sure. I scam. I, I mean, I'll tell you, he made his money this stuff isn't how he makes his money. He made his money by getting women to become cam girls and then lie to the, like they develop an audience and then lie and make up fake sob stories that would get them more money than if they were honest about their yeah. circumstances. And yeah. so he's just straight up been like, yeah, I run a scam. I scam dudes out of their money by lying to them about what's happening in the world, basically. Yes. So his, his value system uh, is his MO is coherent with his value system Mm -hmm. and it can get you a lot of money a lot of attention especially from the type of women who respond to i'll just say the type of andrew tate thing you know he likes to hang out according to the clips that i've seen which aren't a ton with like younger girls who have not been spoiled and jaded by life which is a very interesting way of framing it uh and it works so There's another value system that is like, yo, you want to feel a sense of peace and fulfillment and not have the most money and have uh, longer stable relationships that are low drama and also remove yourself from the public eye because that's a a sucker's game and lose yourself from the more, more, more trap of money because that's a sucker's game and peer into your own childhood and take apart the patterns that have made you even pursue those things in the first place. Mm -hmm. There's a totally different piece of advice that works for that. But both... Both are true with respect to the values to which they're oriented. Mm -hmm. And so I guess part of the Andrew Tate problem, as people see it, is that he's not just giving bad advice. He's giving effective advice for values that people don't want to see in the world. Uh, But I would still say, while you can't one-to-one pit values together and prove that one is truer than another, 
I, I don't know, man. We let we let all sorts of <laughs> ridiculous shit be said. It seems crazy to draw the line at Andrew Tate. I don't know. Uh, these young boys are going to say that women are. It's like young boys always fucking say boys rule, girls drool. Like that. That's built into the fabric of uh, being young and not understanding the opposite sex. I don't know. It seems yeah, it goes both ways. The yeah. future is female and. I think but each gender is her at a, story at a young age says yeah. that their gender is the best and we have ideologies that you should uh hire somebody based on their gender at Google. You know what I mean that if you're in the engineering department there are videos about how you should be selected if you are a girl or if you are like that is a what is it I don't, we don't even know the word in uh pop culture. So we got misogyny and I guess it's is it an, it's not androgyny that's when you're in between misandry is the other one that I think you could categorize as man-hating types of understanding and, and explaining the world that have just become baked into how we see things. Uh, so yeah, who gets to decide? If it were me, it would look very different, and I don't want that power. I don't want to be the one who's saying this is good for kids, bad for kids, mm. good for society, bad for society. I'll take it. I want to be the guy who talks and tries to persuade you this way, and you can agree, disagree, do whatever you need to. So yeah, it's, uh, it's fucked. I, I wish that they hadn't made these decisions. They are, I feel like the good news is they seem to be paving the way for their replacements in this Web3 era. It might take five, 10 years, but uh, yeah, they're in the like fat cow cash grab. Yeah, yeah, short term, the short term they're going to go, they're just going to do more and more, I think. Yeah. I think short term, this uh, largely gets applauded. No one's particularly concerned with principles or like, hey, what would happen if this was used in a way I didn't like the outcome of? They're just like, I like this outcome. Yeah, yeah. So Alex Jones, gone. We like that outcome. Donald Tate, Trump. gone. We like that outcome. Trump. Trump, gone. We like that outcome. And I think they're just going to keep doing it. And I think it, it's, uh, it'll be like that for a long time. And I think probably the pendulum has further to swing before it swings back would be my guess. Yeah. You get to disaffect quite a few people before it affects your monopoly. You know, like you can piss off the Trump people and the Alex Jones people and the Andrew Shane and like Truth Social is not going to really be a competitor. Mm -hmm. But keep this up and you will have alienated. Like I, I officially feel I'm on YouTube. I'm open to <laughs> to other options that are competitive with yeah. YouTube, but they're going to have to be competitive. I'm not going to be the first one on it. Some sort of digital freedom platform. <laughs> I don't even. So, <laughs> um, yeah, what else you got? I have only, I think, one other thing. Uh, feel good story. Dennis Rodman says he's going to Russia to seek the release of Brittany Griner. So that problem solved. It's yes. exciting. Yes. Oh, this is related. This is, well, I don't want to interrupt. No, that's all I got. Say. It's just, it's just a feel good story. <laughs> yeah. They were all done. He went to North Korea. He's ready to make friends with Putin. Yeah. Good for him. So we'll see how that plays out. This was about uh, revolutions, counter revolutions, and counter counter revolutions. So counter, 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 counter counters. Uh, a, a person we know oh. is medium, <laughs> medium senior at a company. He is a white male. And when he was hired at this company, uh, there was upset in the ranks that were like 10 years younger. The activist young ranks were upset. Mm -hmm. He did good work for them, mm -hmm. but the pressure from below continued to mount, not just against him, but about policy in general. And you have to hire this type of person for this role. And he's like, but you know, that. I've, I've, I'm hiring people. I'm trying to be race, gender blind, and this is the best person. And that's that is doesn't matter. The the senior people above him were kind of laying down and taking it yeah. and allowing it to happen. He tendered his resignation. They asked why. He said, 
uh, I'm not wanted here yeah, and I'm not allowed to do well, I, I, one thing I'll touch on because we kind of breeze over it. But uh, so one of the so they were they hired this guy because he was willing to take a big pay cut because he's like the mission of mm-hmm. the company. But pedigree wise was was far better yeah. than what he was going to get paid and what this company could go find in the open market. Yeah. So they hired him without doing a full search. He just contacted them or they contacted him. They're like, yeah, fuck yeah. If you'll come here, we'll yeah, yeah. take you. The people under him didn't like it. So they said, okay, we have another position filled. You guys go fill it. Go do a full search. We give you the, do whatever you want. Like don't interview any white people if you want. You can't break the law, but like do it your way. Mm-hmm. However you think we should have done it and let us know who you come back with. And they couldn't come back with anyone close to the qualifications yeah. of this person. So then they quieted down for a little bit. Mm. But then they started to rage again. So now go into the the rage again. So they so he tendered his resignation, told the boss. I don't know if it was the same conversation or the next one. The boss was like, we can't lose you. You're too valuable, too important. And uh, told, disbanded the committee that was pressuring him. The people still exist in the organization, but like disbanded the committee, told him to be quiet. And he stayed. Uh, and I my first reaction was like, well, what happened to the people? He's like, they're still there. And I was like, oh, okay. They're seething yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. They're going to they come are, back. That is coming back with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. And I feel like where we are when I just check the temperature of the comment section, which is not a scientific method, is I feel like we are in, we had revolution, me too, representation, you know, all of these things swung this way. I feel like we're in the counter revolution starting or like getting going right now, which is like, uh, even on Reddit, I see... Like the student loan thing is a little bit much, you guys. Like, are we going to fix the underlying problem? Sure. Or like, you know, Aziz Ansari. It doesn't seem like he. Yeah, yeah. Is Bill Cosby? Thank God, like Louis C.K. is back on Joe Rogan. Like, yeah, he really there's didn't a bit of any... a swing back. Yes, and so there's a counter to that. But the people who believe, I don't think, have been persuaded. Yeah, yeah, I agree. At all, uh, and I think what happened, even in the the revolution, is like the revolution happened, and it persuaded a handful of people. But there was a lot of just silent tacit allowing mm-hmm. and then those people are well, they don't like, want to get they don't want to get in the way of this of yes. the steamroller yes and then, so, so they now they're chiming out of in way. and going back and we're getting a little bit more understanding of where people actually stand mm-hmm. what you actually thought for all of this um social upheaval because mm-hmm. there was a lot of quiet on one side and I, there's, there's still just two uh yeah this broad these, groups those people of still want a committee they still want to fire him because he's white yeah that hasn't gone away in fact yep. if anything the personal slight that they must feel at having been told they're they're less important than he is. Like, if you want to leave, you guys can, but he, we're, we're keeping him. Uh, must be enraging. No, and, sh- and from their perspective, this has nothing to do with the fact that he has a stronger college degree and a stronger work pedigree and is capable of better work. This is the patriarchy. This is the classic, of course, the white guy gets yeah. protected at the end of the day. Yeah. So this reinforces their feeling. So this is, and it's, it's, I just see it playing out now. They, just, they still exist in this one company. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I don't know if you saw, but there's just the, the internet chatter today. Is She-Hulk comes out, episode one. She's got the scene where she insists that she is a thousand times better at controlling her anger than Bruce Banner. The response are like, you mean the guy who <laughs> was chased by the government his whole life, tried to commit suicide, you know, stuck on an alien world for three years in a, in a horrible body, lost the love of his life in, in a, an attempt to save the world and then did the snap to bring 4 billion people back at his own personal cost. Yeah, yeah. Like you're better at controlling your anger. And her reason is because she gets cat called and men tell her how to do her job mm. is like, there's, 
the show exists and the people who wrote the show thought it was triumphant. Mm -hmm. And there's people who uh, critique the show who are a lot in charge of giving the ratings for various outlets. I think it's great. But then there's this other group who does, and they're not, I don't think people are changing their minds. Yeah. Why I do think also it's interesting how sometimes in an effort to make a point that does have merit, people will just get too excited and swing too hard. Mm -hmm. So if she just said, oh, I think this will come more naturally than you think. Yes. I get angry every day. And he goes, why? What do you mean? She goes, well, every day I get cat called Mm -hmm. or I get a guy telling me how to do my job. I have a a twinge of anger in me Mm -hmm. that I control. So I actually have daily practice in this. I have a head start. I don't think anyone's going to fight that. Yeah. Like you don't have to say that she's better than Bruce Banner to say that she has dealt with the difficulties of being a woman in the city. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the Bill Burr spit, uh, skit where he's talking about how people say motherhood is the hardest job. <laughs> and it's like, you can just say that motherhood is hard yeah. and you think mothers are undervalued. And there's a lot of jobs that are way easier than being a full-time mom. Yeah. You don't have to say you think that being a mom is harder than working on an oil rig, being on the front lines of a war, being an Alaskan crab fisherman with a 30% fatality rate. You don't have to say this. You can just say the shit's hard and people underrate it and most jobs or some jobs or whatever's the truth are easier Mm -hmm. than this thing that gets undervalued. But they just get a little too excited and they swing a little too hard and then unfortunately it makes the argument seem stupid. I actually think it hurts more than just sticking with what's real. Yeah. Well, what's funny is um, the place that the argument comes out of is it's on its the surface. It's asking for more empathy. It says, you don't understand my experience. Mm-hmm. You don't know the struggles that I have. How could you? You're not in my position. Mm-hmm. What it refuses to do is extend empathy yeah. <laughs> and say, that rem- makes me think I probably don't know your struggles. I'm not in your shoes. Yeah. I haven't lived your life. Hmm. That's a head scratcher. And instead there's this class of people that need to extend empathy and you can, you know, which one it is in any sort of um, dichotomy that we have now with social justice and a class that needs to receive empathy. But there is not a mutual exchange of individuals going, holy shit, you know, what's pretty human to estimate that you've done more than 50% of the chores at home. Mm. To be sure that you are chipping in 60 or 70. Yeah, yeah. While the other person is dead fucking sure they're chipping in 60 or 70. Yeah. Somehow there's 140% of chores. Yeah, and everyone thinks they're, <laughs> everyone thinks they're above average driver. Like yes. just knowing these little- These yeah. little things. It's like, mm, maybe we all underestimate the struggle of other of people. Other people. We, yes, I think that's very well said. Uh, no. Maybe one class has it harder than others and everybody needs to. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I say like she could have just, I haven't seen it, but she could have made a totally fair point. She's just, I, stuff pisses me off all the time. Yeah. I, are they in New York? She's uh, in a big city. Sure. Whatever it is. I'm a, you know, I'm a woman in a big city. I'm constantly getting aggravated. So yeah, I have yeah. daily experience of controlling my anger. Sure. Just make that point. It's a great point. You know it's what's, a fair point. No one's going to push you back on that point. An even better point is I'm a person and you haven't seen me get angry. I'm angry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, I don't need to be a woman in a city of a certain color, race or in a yes, certain but I'm just saying if she, if they want to highlight the specifics, you know, if you're, if it was a, a guy who worked a job that he could say, you know, I get disrespected by my boss yeah, yeah. every day, you know? Like, I, I'm not saying that there's not things that anger dudes every day. I'm just saying you can make the exact same point that the writers are trying to make. Yeah. If you they, do want to highlight 
You're like, we want to highlight that catcalling happens and is annoying. Mm -hmm. You can do that. You just don't have to do it by trying to minimize all the trauma that this Bruce Banner character has clearly yeah, gone yeah, through yeah. and is canon in this universe that you're writing the story in. The point for me of, uh, and I don't know which is, the point of like limited, most limited statistical empathy in this thing was, you know, if I do get angry, I could even get murdered, which is, I don't know the rate of um, times men get angry versus times men get murdered compared to times women get publicly angry to times they get murdered. I do know the second half of that is men get murdered like four or five times as much mm -hmm. as women, presumably by other pissed off angry men in conflict. Yeah. So I don't know that the, the first part of that, which is, you know, compared to how often they express public anger. But uh, again, it's just like if I, I do think that if you ask the writers who is more at risk of violence, men or women on average, they would not know. Yeah. Well, some people just don't know the data. It's just straight up. They haven't looked into it. You don't need, it's almost like how many guys do you know that have been punched in the face? I think, I think that some people would be very surprised to find out men get murdered at a substantially higher rate than women. I yeah. think they would just be confused because that doesn't fit their understanding of how the world works. Sure. So in any event, yeah, that's uh, I don't know how we got to She-Hulk. I didn't plan on talking about it, but it reminded me of what you were saying. Was it good? Are people, I didn't watch the Rotten Tomatoes I'm, I'm, I'm not making a, um, oh, I was just curious. Uh, I think the Rotten Tomatoes are, well, I don't really know. All right. Well, you don't know. You haven't seen it. I was just curious. Yeah. yeah. I just see the chatter. Uh, I just read this. The Parkland shooter. Remember that guy? Okay. Shot up a school. Barely, but I don't, I don't know. He's on trial. He admitted the shooting. He said, I did this. The only question is, should he be put to death or sent to prison? Huh? So the defense is saying, please don't put him to death. He could not have not done this because he has unreversible brain trauma that that made that it wasn't an act of evil it was an inevitable act of determinism basically is their is mm -hmm. their course court argument and they go into why his birth mother used drugs and alcohol while pregnant straight up repeatedly no one denies it she was a prostitute she said she was raped and allegedly she told her other daughter i'm i don't care about using drugs while i'm pregnant because i'm just going to put him up for adoption anyway then he got adopted, adoptive father passes away, adopted mother, uh, deeply in debt after her husband's death, allegedly refused to have him committed to a mental hospital because she did not want to stop receiving his social security benefits. And so this kid who did this horrible thing, it's just coming out, you know, what, what his existence was. Yeah. It was tons of drugs and alcohol from the moment he was in the womb to being put up for adoption, to adoptive father dying, to having mental health issues, but they couldn't afford to take care of him. And then he does this horrible thing. And it's not an excuse for the horrible thing, but I just thought it was just another thing that hammers home. You don't know what's going on. And, you, you know, we don't really fully understand what causes these atrocities. And so we don't really necessarily do what would help prevent them going forward and it reminded me of that the new new england patriot guy who committed a murder and then they autopsied his brain they said this guy had so much brain yeah, trauma yeah. that anyone who if i did this damage to your brain you would murder someone when you're angry because we've just removed his ability to make decisions mm -hmm. other than this and yeah just sucks i don't really have a takeaway which is why i don't know i don't know where the conversation will go necessarily but i personally thought it was a good reminder of 
how everybody's life leads them to their sure. circumstances. Yeah, the question that comes to mind for me is what is the point of the sentencing? Is it to protect the populace from acts like this coming from him and other copycats? Mm -hmm. Is it to uh, punish? Is it to give the families a sense of retribution? And that leads to different outcomes for me. To me, it seems like probably not the retribution angle is what you want to go. Seems to me what you want to do is make decisions to prevent things like this. Yeah, well, in you definitely. Future. No one's saying you should let this guy walk around. And yeah, I actually yeah. don't. I personally don't have a death penalty versus life in prison opinion. Mm -hmm. It was more just how many people when this shooting happened thought to themselves, "I bet this guy was just being absolutely destroyed from pre-birth yeah, mentally." Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I, probably no one. And yeah, it's just a good, just a good lesson in kind of recognizing how things get to where they end up yeah yeah they're it's it's rare to find one of these where there's not so much just crazy awful background experience um but yeah that's a bummer yeah i think that for me what i do is i take this and i try to apply it to the little stuff in my own life mm -hmm. as well you know so when someone is is a dick to me or cuts you off in traffic or whatever. Just that, just like smaller versions of this that I think help you be like, yeah, you have nothing, you know, maybe this person's rushing to the hospital because someone they love is dying. Or maybe this person's being an asshole because when they were at home, their dad hit them today. You yeah, know, yeah. like you just don't know. And so that's, uh, yeah, whether it's death penalty or life in prison to me, it's a good reminder of like, oh yeah, when, when people are shitty to me in smaller ways, like you just don't know the full story. It's, yeah. It's a good reminder of Sam Harris's thoughts on determinism, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, well, not to take it too far, but it's interesting that we accept a limited kind of determinism, which is, oh, he has brain structures that are like this. It's like, well, what if he has brain software that's like that? What if we can't see it in a CAT scan? But like, the way ain't like, of course, it's deterministic at at some. Well, level. that's what I'm they didn't brain scan this yeah, yeah. guy. They didn't brain scan the Parkland guy. Yeah, yeah. The Parkland guys just had witnesses come out, so ha half sisters and mm -hmm. other prostitutes that worked with his birth mom and stuff like that. So for him, it is more, they're not saying software versus hardware. Yeah. They're just saying, spare him. He was fucked from the moment he was conceived, basically. Sorry, I've sworn so much on this podcast, Justin. Really making your life difficult. Yeah, he doesn't do it. I don't, yeah, he doesn't I mean, cut him at the second half. Oh, you don't blur him? You don't beep him? First, no, long, first yeah. two minutes. No, I'm sorry to any 15-year-olds or under, I guess, <laughs> who are listening. I'm, well, I'll work on being better, everyone. What do we got? All right, our question for today is, I would love to hear both of your thoughts on HPPD and for the audience, or if you guys don't know, that's hallucinogen persisting perception disorder after psychedelics. Uh, I don't know. I've never heard of the acronym HPPD. The things that I can relate to, like I have a buddy who the term that he uses is he had kundalini awakenings for the following two or three years after psychedelics. Um Certainly in the days after I and people I know have had experiences of like very much being in that space um, to the degree where you can get some visual stuff that you might call hallucinatory. Uh, what is my broad opinion without knowing exactly what you're referring to? I think that calling it a disorder is a shame because it's very likely, in my opinion, a failure of integration and of support around integration. Um, and it's not even a failure. It could be like, the process continuing and if we're 
getting to the point where it's interfering with your life, I think in many of the cases, a trained conversation or series of them with a person who can direct you how to handle those experiences can unlock most of the benefits that you're you're going to get from that macrodose. I do think that there is a bias a little in that that I want to acknowledge, which is that we always go with trained professionals who aren't just professionals in terms of integration, but they make sure the substances are good and clean. Yeah, yeah. I think it's totally possible that if you take something that's cut with a bunch of dangerous stuff or just the wrong dosage, you could have problems from psychedelics. I think psychedelics should be taken pretty seriously. I, I don't, I do them, but I don't do them willy nilly and just, you know, smash a bunch of mushrooms without knowing how much they are or where they came from. And I also think that you should take your own mental health and your family history in to consideration. Strong consideration, so yeah. if you suffer with schizophrenia, maybe psilocybin is not for you. Mm-hmm. If your parents have a bunch of neuroatypical stuff, I think it's worth talking to a professional to say, hey, when this happens, does this put me at risk more when I do LSD? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it totally makes sense that there could be people taking stuff cut with garbage, way too much of something, or not working with a professional and telling them upfront what they already have that psychedelics could not be right for. I think they're right for a lot of people. I think once they're legal, a huge part of the population will take them and benefit from them, but definitely not 100% and definitely not without guidance from a oh, professional. Yeah, there, there needs to be uh, nose in the intake. There needs to be, this is not right for you. This is... Mm-hmm. There needs to be a lot of that. Or just MDMA for you, yeah, yeah. just ketamine for you. We're not going to do psilocybin for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Let's move to Patreon. Patreon, what do cool. we got? We're going to talk about overcoming a shopping addiction, if you should be suspicious of your girlfriend's male best friend, mm. um, and then if, whenever, you should try to, quote unquote, win over a girl that isn't interested. Cool. I like it. All right, if you guys want to see that, Link in the description. I always forget to say that. <laughs> Any dollar amount is really what funds the, the heart and soul of this podcast. It all goes to Justin. We're not, we haven't ever taken a dime from this podcast. And uh, if, if one day if we do, that would be great. But it's not looking like it. It goes to Justin. Right <laughs> it all goes to Justin and that's so, okay. Uh, so it keeps us going. We appreciate all of you guys on Patreon. Any dollar amount starting with, I think, $3 a month uh, is what does it. Gets you access to all of these questions plus an entire back catalog. Yeah, basically double the content every week. Mm-hmm. We've got like 80 eight episodes out right now yeah on patreon yeah wow nice. so we're gonna hop over there now we appreciate all of you guys 